Hello, everyone. I'm Drew. I'm Lacey. I'm Bet. <laughs> oh, Bailey. Bailey decided to eat something. I'm, I'm Bailey. Panic on her face when you said her name. And we're sarcastic, so let's get sinister. how we rolled through that instead of that just proves that over. like each episode is a new adventure for us mm-hmm. it is it is and, and we have snacks on this adventure so genuine Alrighty, i'm just reorganizing my desktop can we okay. look at the pictures yet that you sent us you can oh um, my god a lot of pictures yeah, well, it's I a got a lot case. to go over with you guys. So what we're going to be talking about today is JonBenet Ramsey. Oh, okay. a big one. And I want to... Wait, I want to pose just like how she was in this one. Well, she is a beauty queen, so she so has... It's, it's not exact, but it's close. She has... Um... Your face is wrong, Bailey. Your oh, you got it. Uh, I, I didn't think you had the lips, but you got it. Um, I would say that you guys are good to go up until about slide five. Okay. Cool. Okay, so we have a lot to get through. So I'm going to see how far we get. If it's starting to get a little long, we're going to make a second parter. But um, let's let's get into it, okay? Um, I feel like most people kind of know about Jean Bonnet, but um, whatever, we're going to do it again. Here we go. (laughs) You're going to find out today whether you like it or not. Did you know her middle name was Patricia? No. I do now. I didn't know that one, though. Yeah. Well, so Jean Bonnet Patricia Ramsey was born on August 6, 1990, a couple days after our brother. Yeah. Right. Yeah. She was the second child born to Patricia, aka Patsy Ramsey, and John Bennett Ramsey. So they literally just like named her after them. Yes. In December of 1996, John Bennett was John Bennett was six years old. She weighed about 45 pounds, and she had long blonde hair and green eyes. So before we get into December of 1996, we're going to take it back a few years and tell you about John and Patsy. Okay. So, John Ramsey. Hmm? Patsy is a really cute nickname. Like Patsy Klein. I mean, I I prefer it more than, like, Patty. But that could just be because a lot of people go by Patty and you don't hear a lot of Patsy's. Anyway, John Ramsey was born in December of 1943 in Lincoln, Nebraska. He graduated from, sorry, I just remembered, they like travel all over the United States. So you need like one of those red ribbons to like keep track of where they are. So he was born in Nebraska. He graduated from Michigan State University, so Michigan, 
Um, he graduated with a bachelor's in electrical engineering, and then he went on to get his master's in business administration. He joined the Navy in between earning degrees and served as a civil engineer corps, 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 corps. Civil Engineer Corps officer in 1966. Around the same time, he married Lucinda Pash. Together, they had three children, Elizabeth, Melinda, and John Andrew, before they divorced in 1978. Did you know? See, this is something new. I did not know that John had other children. I didn't either. I didn't know he was married mm-hmm. before or had other kids. Yep. And so then they divorced either. in 78. Two years later, in 1980, John married Patsy Poe. Patsy Poe. That's a oh. cute name. P-A-U-G-H. It might be Paw, because I had a student whose name was very similar to that, a last name, but with a different first letter. And it was I was a worried Paw. you were going to say something that you shouldn't say. Yeah. I almost said a name out loud, and I was like, I can't do that. But I think it's probably Paw. Patsy Paw. Mm-hmm. Still fun. Still adorable. In 1989, John formed a company that eventually merged with two other companies to become Access Graphics. John became the president and CEO of this company. In 1992, John's eldest daughter, Elizabeth, died in a car accident at the age of 22. And in 1996, John was named Entrepreneur of the Year. So, Patricia Ann Paul was also born in December, but of 1956. So she was like 13 years younger than him. She was born in Parkersburg, West Virginia. In 1977, Patsy won Miss West Virginia, the beauty pageant. Mm -hmm. Then she graduated from West Virginia University with a bachelor's in journalism in 1978. And then when Patsy was 23, she married John. So he was like 36. She was 23. Love. Uh, I'm sure money helped. Well, I mean, in 1980, he wasn't really doing much. He didn't start his company until 1989. Anyway, in 1987, Patsy and John had their first child, Burke. Burke Hamilton Ramsey, and he was born in January. Both Burke and Jean, Jean Benet were born in Atlanta, Georgia. So now they're in Georgia. But shortly after Jean Benet's, but shortly after Jean Benet's birth, they moved to Boulder, Colorado. Oh, they're trying out for different, different like climates and seeing, you know, what they like. moved for John's business. They lived in what, I mean, what I would call a mansion. Uh, It was located on the 700 block of 15th Street in Boulder. Um, On Zillow, it's listed as just under 7,600 square feet with five bedrooms and eight bathrooms. That's a cottage, Drew. God. You're right. That's so many bathrooms. That's a summer home. I was going to say, Lacey is trying to contemplate the bathroom situation. (laughs) That's so many bathrooms. There's the basement, the first floor, second floor, and a third floor. So, you know, you need, like, what, two bathrooms per floor? Sounds like... Yeah, what if you're having a party? You know, every bedroom can have a bathroom, and then three for the guests. 
so that they never have to use your personal bathroom. I don't like well, the architecture of this house. Oh shoot! Did you I'm look it up? Not... Yeah, it's oh. um, it has the very like long like. It's. Arrows. I don't know if it's called a frame, but it looks like it should be called an a frame. Yeah, I um, don't like it. If you guys skip to slide seven and eight, you might get a little bit of a spoiler. Um, but I got the floor plan. Oh, nice for you. Yeah, so you can take a gander through their house and find all their bathrooms. <laughs> um, the reason it was on Zillow was because it was listed on the market last March for seven million dollars. Oh, it's I, in Boulder. I do like those houses. I just looked it up. I like those. Boulder's yeah. a very Colorado is a very like expensive state to live in. Yeah. Boulder's particularly, but yeah. So it's in got Boulder, all those bathrooms, huh? got all those bathrooms i mean yeah but like no bathroom on the first floor how are there eight bathrooms <laughs> what is this oh i think that maybe well, the uh, first floor bathroom is not labeled yeah you maybe. see like right behind the stairs that little weird yeah that's empty room okay. maybe there's like a his and her bathroom time. for like the master bathroom yeah the master bedroom like uh -uh. i mean there are like they have um, bathrooms labeled on the second floor, but there's also like, I mean, do you see Burke's bedroom? Yeah. There's a lot of closet space, you could argue, or a bathroom. Yeah. Oh, there's are a bathroom full, there. Are these full bathrooms or like half baths? I, <laughs> I don't know. I also I enjoy how we're spending... Episode. We're literally spending like three minutes just on the house. Yeah, I will say though there is, I think, a bathroom in the basement that is like the toilet is broken in half. I don't know if they count that because it's got the plumbing for a bathroom, but I feel like it has. Like, I feel like they would because it has the potential to be yeah. a bathroom Where's again. Screen. There you are. Lexi <laughs> lost us. I lost you. So in Boulder. Patsy started entering Jean Bonnet into various child beauty pageants. Jean Bonnet won the following beauty pageants. Little Miss Colorado, Little Miss Charlevoix County, Colorado State All-Star Kids Cover Girl, American's Royal Miss, and National Tiny Miss Beauty. Wow. So she was, she was busy. Those names are so cute. Mm-hmm. Um... <laughs> And the last thing that I wanted to share before we get into the real story is that in 1993, Patsy was diagnosed with stage four ovarian cancer at the age of 36. Oh. With treatment, her cancer went into remission for nine years until 2002. Oh. She... I mean, nine years with stage four cancer. I think that's, that's impressive. Yeah. Stage four is like the last stage, Bailey. I know. <laughs> she knows There's you don't no really know medical stuff, so she wanted to clear that up. I don't know if they diagnose. I don't know if you diagnose animals with a stage of cancer. Um, if we're in an oncology like specialty, which they do have, um, I hear more stages for like kidney disease, but it's the same thing. Like the higher the stage, the worse it is. Yeah. It's good to be number one. Or um, zero, meaning you don't have it at oh, all. Oh, yeah. I mean, I guess that's the best scenario. Ideal. 
We can't so, all be zeros. Settle down, Lacey. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> you're, you're getting crazy. <laughs> um. Okay. Are you guys ready for the, like, the meat and potatoes? Yes. Oh, hold on. Yes. You've got your snacks. Good. On the morning of December 26, 1996, John and Patsy awoke early, around 5.45 a.m., to prepare for a trip. When they discovered John Bonet... December what? The day after Christmas. Christmas. Got it. Boxing day. Right. Good job, Lizzie. That's Canadian. And English. So when they awoke, they found Jean Bonnet was missing from her bedroom, bed, and her bedroom. She wasn't in her That's room at all. So at first, the parents weren't terribly concerned. It's a big house, you know. Okay. I, I wouldn't be immediately concerned if my kids weren't in there. Well, if the one was out of her crib, I'd be like, what? But <laughs> if the older one wasn't in her bed when I woke up, I'd be like, okay, well, she's probably like on the couch or something, like. Mm-hmm. I'd look around before I started freaking out. Sure. So it wasn't until Patsy discovered a ransom note on the kitchen stairs that they realized Jean Bonnet was even missing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a clue. They so, set a stairs in the kitchen? Yeah, so if you look at the floor plan. Let me split my screen here. I would. I've been back and forth with this is better. Amateur. Yeah, I don't know what I was thinking. So you see the kitchen? Yes. Mm-hmm. Now do you see the lower hall? Mm. Right behind oh, the kitchen? There's a little thing that says yes. for ransom that was found here. Yeah. There's a staircase. Yes, they have a spiral staircase that only goes to the second floor. Well, I didn't pay attention to all these notes room. on here before. The like breakfast room is where you there. eat breakfast. Most poor people have a breakfast nook. I, I don't that's, think poor that's people rude. even have that. No, I was going to say. <laughs> poor people I have meant in relation kitchen. to the, the... They have a whole ass breakfast room. Yeah. What's it and like, called? The breakfast in my room. Being poor. <laughs> Got it. Got it. And antisocial. Yes. I would say, like, middle class has breakfast nooks. The wealthy have breakfast rooms. And Bailey has bed. Breakfast to bed. <laughs> so the ransom note was two and a half pages long. Wow. And it was handwritten. Feels excessive. Are you ready? I'm going to read it to you guys. If you'd like, you can follow along. It is on slide six. This is okay. like a bedtime story. Yes. Mr. Like Ramsey. A nightmare. Listen carefully. We are a group of individuals that represent a small foreign faction. We respect your business, but not the country that it serves. At this time, we have your daughter in our possession. She is safe and unharmed, and if you want her to see 1997, you must follow our instructions to the letter. You will withdraw $118,000 from your account. $100,000 will be in $100 bills, and the remaining $18,000 in $20 bills. Make sure that you bring an adequate size attache to the bank. When you get home, you will put the money in a brown paper bag. I will call you between 8 and 10 a.m. tomorrow to instruct you on delivery. The delivery will be exhausting, so I advise you to be rested. 
If we monitor you getting the money early, we might call you early to arrange an earlier delivery of the money and hence an earlier pickup of your daughter. Any deviation of my instructions will result in the immediate execution of your daughter. You will also be denied her remains for proper burial. The two gentlemen watching your daughter do not particularly like you, so I advise you not to provoke them. Speaking to anyone about your situation, such as police, FBI, etc., will result in your daughter being beheaded. If we catch you talking to a stray dog, she dies. If you alert bank authorities, she dies. If the money is in any way marked or tampered with, she dies. You will be scanned for electronic devices, and if any are found, she dies. You can try to deceive us, but we... But be warned that we are familiar with law enforcement countermeasures and tactics. You stand a 99% chance of killing your daughter if you try to outsmart us. Follow our instructions and you stand a 100% chance of getting her back. You and your family are under constant scrutiny as well as the, the authorities. Don't try and grow a brain, John. You are not the only fat cat around, so don't think that killing will be difficult. Don't underestimate us, John. Use that good southern common sense of yours. It is up to you now, John. Victory, SBTC. So there's several things about the ransom note, but I'm going to get into all that stuff later. Okay. Do you have a comment right now, Bailey? No, we'll save it, but I'm going to write it down. Okay. Do you want me to wait or are you okay if I keep going? No, yeah, no, no, go for it. We'll we'll talk about it when we talk about the ransom note. Okay. No, I like when you write it down. Do you need quiet? Oh, no, 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 go for it. Okay. So, despite the note's warning not to involve the police, Patsy called them at five fifty-two a.m. Immediately after calling the police, Patsy called friends and family in order to aid in the search. At five fifty-five a.m., two police officers, Officer Carl Vitch and Rick French. Arrived at the Ramsey home. That was so fast. Were... Well, they... I guess they were in patrol on the area. Oh, they in were patrol like patrolling the like their yard. Well, <laughs> they were already on the way. <laughs> There's um it's something. I get it. I I mention it later, but there were some burglaries in the neighborhood okay. in previously. So they're on. So alert. they may. Yeah, they may have been patrolling the area because of the amount of burglaries that I were going on. I didn't think it was necessarily suspicious. It just sounded crazy. Fast. Yeah. Yeah. So, upon their arrival, they were told by the Ramses that Jean Bonnet was last seen by Patsy in the home at around 10 p.m. on December 25th. The officers were shown the ransom note and were told that Ramses, that the Ramses believed that the house had been locked when they went to bed. The officers conducted a cursory, 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 initial, cursory, that's good too, a, a really basic search of the house, but did not find any sign of forced entry. Officer French went to the basement and came to a door that was secured by a wooden latch. He did not open it because at the time he was looking for an exit route used by the kidnapper, which the closed wooden latch on the inside ruled out. Okay. At around 8 a.m., Boulder Detective Linda Arndt arrived in anticipation of receiving further instructions by the kidnappers, as per the ransom note, which said between 8 and 10 a.m. Upon her arrival, John Ramsey told her that he had last seen that he had last seen John Bonet in her bed before 
in her bed around 10 p.m. the night before, and that he, Patsy, and Burke were the only other occupants in the house until 5.45 a.m. <clears throat> Detective Arndt noted that at the time of her arrival, in addition to the three Ramses, the house contained Priscilla and Fleet White, Barbara and John Fernie, the pastor from the St. John's Episcopalian Church, and the two and two um, BPD officers, Rich, Rick French and Barry Wise. So just quick thing here. Mm-hmm. The, this bit of information I got from like the actual search warrant application, I think. I don't know. The judge signed it. So the actual search warrant. And it, like, I did, I double checked because in it, it's, it clearly says that the two responding officers at 545 were Officer Vich and French. But then it says that at 8 a.m., it was French and Wise. So I don't know if there was a shift change and Vich left and Wise came, but I didn't just mess it up and just throw names in there. But anyway. So Detective Linda got there at eight and in addition to the three Ramses and the officers, there were also four family friends and a pastor. So while waiting to hear from the kidnappers, the visitors tried to be helpful. Some of them tidied up, some cleaned the kitchen, some helped search the house, you know, typical things. Around 6.20 a.m., Fleet White, his name is Fleet. Yeah, I was going to comment on it before, but you were on a roll. Yeah. He walked down to the basement, opened the door that was secured with a wooden latch. Sorry. And opened the door that was secured with the wooden latch. The room was dark and he saw nothing, so without entering the room, he turned and walked away. Detective, I'm going to call her Linda, because... Her her last name is A-R-N-D-T, and it doesn't roll off my tongue nicely. Every time you say it, you're a little, you go, aren't? Like, you're not really sure about it. Because it doesn't roll off my tongue nicely. All right. Call so Detective Linda. Linda looked over the ransom note while, you know, those people were cleaning the counter and the evidence and fingerprints and shit. She noted... That it was written on white lined paper with a felt type writing utensil with black ink. In the meantime, John made arrangements to gather the ransom, which John Fernie picked up that morning from a local bank. So they were getting ready to pay. Detective Linda monitored all incoming phone calls to the residents from 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. John would answer all the calls, but none were from the kidnappers. At 10.30 a.m., half an hour after the kidnappers' cutoff time, Jean Benet's bedroom was sealed off by detective, detectives Linda and Fred Patterson. At 1 p.m., Linda asked John, Mr. White, and Mr. Fernie to check the interior of the house for any sign of Jean Benet. Because why would you ask law enforcement when you can ask lay people also why wouldn't you have sealed off her her bedroom immediately also why would you just seal off her bedroom 
Well, I mean, if that's like if they're thinking about like, oh, she got kidnapped, like that's the scene of like the crime, I guess. Right, but like but still, she didn't. They didn't just like evaporate out of the room. You don't know that. Maybe it was Voldemort. Okay, He's but in the real world, <laughs> I watched Harry Potter last night. Sorry, guys. <laughs> it's such a good movie. So John started in the basement as soon as Linda said go search the house. John went to the basement with his friends. Um, Starting from the bottom up, I guess. Yeah. I mean, if you're on the first floor, do you want to go all the way to the top floor or and work your way down? Or, I don't know. I would search the first floor and then um, have, like, some people go downstairs and then I'll go Yeah, like, split up? Yeah. Some people think that this is suspicious that he kind of it seems like he beelined to the basement i mean within no, a few it's just his practical mind like he was like let's yeah. start from bottom to top within a few minutes fleet white ran upstairs grabbed the phone in the back office and yelled for someone to call an ambulance detective linda ran to the basement door in just in time to witness john ramsey running up the stairs with the jean Bonnet in his arms she was in the house. Did you not know that? I Do you not know, know this case at all? I know the case, but I don't know much about it. I know like a oh. very, very like generic outline of the case. I didn't know oh. that she was in the house the whole time. This oh, is boy, very exciting. Strap yeah. in. <laughs> Did you call I, me did Linda? I call Linda? <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy, Linda. That's a Ooh. brand new one for me. Well, Detective Linda. That's why. <laughs> <one. laughs> <laughs> yeah. Detective Linda noted that both the girl's arms were raised above her head. There appeared to be a string hanging from Jean-Benet's right wrist. Her lips were blue. She appeared to have liver mortis on the posterior side of her body. She was in rigor mortis and she was not breathing. Do you have a question, Lacey? Do you understand no. what liver mortis is? Yeah, is that when the blood pools? Yes, good job. No. Thank you. Do you know where the posterior is? The back. Good. Yeah. Excellent. Ten out of ten. I'm just, I'm annoyed that she was, like, in the house and everybody else was also in the house. And. Why do you think I was mentioning, I, like, was talking about that door so much? I thought it was going to be important, but also it didn't, like, occur to me that the girl who was kidnapped or who I thought had just been taken and killed somewhere else. Like, I knew that she was dead. Um. I just didn't know she was in the house. It really threw me. No, but this is exciting because we have, like, because, like, Drew and I know this case. Drew, obviously, much better than I because she researched it. But, like, this will be fun because, like, you can see the common sense in some of the uh, investigation. Yeah. So, I'm excited. Jean Bonnet was dressed in a light colored long sleeve turtleneck. With light-colored pants, like pajama bottoms, John placed Jean Bonnet on the floor at the top of the stairs, where Detective Linda confirmed that she was not breathing and was cool to the touch. She had a white cloth string around her neck, similar to the cloth string around her wrist. Detective Linda also noted a red circular mark in the front of her neck at the base of her throat, roughly the size of a quarter. She noted an odor of decay and dried mucus from one of her nostrils. Are you okay? Yeah, I 
turn my camera off to blow my nose just to scare everybody from that. Um, but her dad had said that the last time he saw her was the night before, right? Yeah, that's also okay. what Patsy said. I think that they tucked her into bed. Okay. I think I I couldn't I didn't find it in my research, but for some reason I must have heard it before. I think that they were at like a Christmas party the night before, Makes and sense. they came home, and that's why she was going to bed at ten p.m. Gotcha. Yeah, I think that's what the case was. Something yeah. about a get together or something. They they like came home, put her to bed. So, John told the detective that he had found Jean Bonnet in the wine cellar behind the latched door, under a blanket, with her wrists tied above her head and a piece of tape covering her mouth. He said he removed the tape before carrying her upstairs. Detective James Byfield was notified about the finding of approx- at approximately 1.05 p.m. Jean Bonnet was pronounced dead at 1.23 p.m. on December 26th. So, about the wine cellar, I would like to draw your attention to slide nine. Okay. And if you can, I don't know if you can see, that's the door to the wine cellar. If you look at the top, can you see the wooden latch? Uh, I think so. It it's like just like a little the- thing that comes down. Yeah. yeah. So. The door would not stay closed. The door handle didn't work, so the door would open and let the cold air into the heated basement. The previous owners to the Ramses installed the wooden block above the door. When turned, the wooden latch would stay where it was turned. It wouldn't swing back down. So this means that if you went into the wine cellar room, you would have to turn the latch up and out of the way of the door, open the door, and then go in, and the latch would stay up. So you couldn't, like, so accidentally come back out. Yeah. Okay. So when you exited the room and closed the wine cellar door, you would have to turn the latch back down. Apparently, during the initial search, the police officer pulled hard on the door handle and could not open the door. So he kind of thought maybe it was painted shut or something, but he was like, whatever, and moved on. Did he, After was he searching down there in the dark, or did he have the lights on? Do you know? Do after, you have the information? Well, after the discovery of Jean Benet's body, John and Fleet both stated that they did not turn the light on or enter the room initially. There was a light in the wine cellar. Okay. And John allegedly saw her body from the doorway. It was noted that the body was not visible from the angle John purportedly saw it, and John said in an interview that he just knew she was there. A lot of people are suspicious of this, because, like, how could he have seen her? He couldn't have seen her because it was too dark, and, like, how did he just know she was there? But I feel like if I walked down into my basement, first of all, she was under a white blanket, and like when your eyes adjust, you would you you're more likely to see something white than something like dark colored, right? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So what but what I'm saying is, when I walk into my basement, I know what's down there. So if I see a white blanket with a lump under it, and I'm like 
looking for my missing child, I'm going to look under the blanket. Yeah. Also, you know, I don't know if... True. Uh, together? Yeah, we're here. <laughs> um, But you know how, like, they have, like, maternal instinct? Mm-hmm. Like, you, just you just... I think it's hard to discount Dude, that. I don't know if they have paternal instinct, but like... I feel like I you would. Yeah, Yeah, you just kind of... Yeah. I don't know. No, I don't, that's I don't... Not, that alone isn't enough to make me suspicious, him saying he felt like he knew she was there. Right. Thank you. Good. It's like, even if you don't, like, you can just have feelings about things, mm-hmm. too, and it's... I... I you'll, you might notice throughout my storytelling that I have a definite theory as to what happened. You won't find out until the very end what it is. I think I know what it is. I feel... Lacey, I mean, this isn't going to come as a surprise, but the family got a lot of attention for this. Mm -hmm. And a lot of suspicion. And I felt that it was unfairly placed. Okay. Um, I think it was just another one of the... Like, they dropped the ball on investigating because they focused too heavily on the family. Mm. Instead of other avenues. They zeroed in right away and then didn't... Right. That was just one of the few mistakes I think they made. Like letting the f- the f- visitors clean the house. Yeah. I don't think it's too crazy that people like didn't know what to do and so they would start cleaning and stuff. And I, I do think the police should have been like, just sit maybe down and don't relax do that. and don't do that for right now. Yeah. Yeah. Like, why don't you go to a, I don't know, a different part of the house? Yeah. Especially where the, in the kitchen is where they were cleaning, mm-hmm. where the ransom note was found. So you know the kidnapper was in there. Yeah. So a search warrant obtained by Detective Byfield. Doc, Detective Byfield obtained a search warrant. Mm-hmm. Which included all material evidence, Jean Benet's body. Which do you know that they need a search warrant to like take that? What? They need like I he, they weird. couldn't take her body without a warrant. Weird. Yeah. Any and all writing paper or pads. Any and all examples of handwriting found in the home. Any felt type writing utensils with black ink, light colored cloths, string type material, shoes. Or clothing, missing drawstrings or shoestrings, and the area around the home, the home, including the garage, the vehicles in the garage, and outbuildings for footprints, physical evidence, and intru- for physical evidence of intruders. So that's what they were mainly looking for. A forensics team was dispatched to the house, and the search began at around eight twenty p.m. So, like a whole twelve hours yeah. after. The first detective arrived. You needed to get a search warrant. I know. That takes time. You have to wake up a judge. On the day after Christmas. No one wants to get out of bed at that day. You know. Whatever time. Well, they didn't. They didn't get the search warrant until like one p.m. So it wasn't like. Because it was initially believed that Jean Benet had been kidnapped. Her bedroom was the only room in the house that was cordoned off to prevent contamination of evidence. No precautions were taken to prevent contamination of evidence in the rest of the home. 
So all morning, the family, their friends, and the family's ministers, minister was free to traipse in and out of the house. And family friends, yeah, I mean, we've talked about it before, but the family friends picked up and cleaned surfaces in the kitchen. Sure. <laughs> I'm so mad about it. Dr. John Meyer, the Boulder County coroner, arrived at the residence at around 8 p.m. He found Jean Bonnet's body in the living room of the house, covered by a blanket and a Colorado avalanche sweatshirt. He quickly noted the ligature around her neck and right wrist, as well as a small abrasion or contusion below the right ear on the lateral aspect of the right cheek, and a prominent dried abrasion present on her lower left neck. He left the residence at around 8.30 p.m., and Pat Dunn of the coroner's office removed Jean Bonnet's body and transported her to the Boulder Community Hospital. On December 27, 1996, a post-mortem examination was conducted by Dr. John Meyer at 8.15 a.m. During the autopsy, Dr. Meyer was accompanied by Detective Linda. The doctor noted a dried brown tan stain on the right sleeve of Jean Bonnet's shirt, consistent with mucus from the nose or mouth. He also noted that Jean Bonnet's pants and underwear were urine stained, but her underwear had several red areas of staining in the inner aspect of the crotch. He noted petechial hemorrhage in her eyes. And regarding the white cord found around Jean Bonnet's neck, he said that it's similar to the cord around her wrist. The end of the cord was tied in multiple loops around the length of a round tan brown wooden stick. The stick was irregularly broken at, the, at both ends. Blonde hair was found entwined in the knot on the back of the neck, as well as in the cord wrapped around the stick. The stick was later determined to be the handle of a paintbrush. So if you would... So if you look at slide 10, this is where Jean Bonnet was found. I'm going to warn you, slide 11 is an artist rendition, but also crime scene photos. Slide 12 is some autopsy photos. So you've got the cord around her wrist and then this, the ones on the right are from the autopsy. So like after the cord has been removed, you can see the hair that was entwined. She's so tiny. And then more autopsy photos on 13. Is she wearing a ring? Yeah. She also had a, a cross necklace on. Mm. She was a beauty queen. They have jewelry. Okay. After removing the cord from around Jean Bonnet's neck, the doctor noted a deep ligature furrow encircling her neck. The mark was horizontal in orientation with little upward deviation. I think that is important to note. The autopsy report also noted the following injuries. A triangular-shaped abrasion located on the lower left neck, a scalp contusion, a fracture of the right side of the skull, contusions of the right cerebral hem hemisphere, subarachnoid and subdural hemorrhage, um, the abrasion on the right cheek, an abrasion slash contusion on the posterior right shoulder, 
abrasions of the left lower back and posterior left lower leg, abrasion and vascular congestion of vaginal mucosa, and the ligature marks on the right wrist. Additionally, fragments of pineapple were found in her small intestine. Also of note, and you can see this in slide 12 in the one picture at the bottom, a red ink heart was found on the palm of her left hand. A green substance was entangled in Jean Bonnet's hair. The coroner also reported that the pubic area appeared to have been wiped with a cloth. DNA was collected from Jean Bonnet's fingernails and underwear as well. The toxicology, the toxicology report found no alcohol and no drugs in her system. Dr. Meyer was unable to pinpoint a time and cause of death. Her cause of death was listed as, as asphyxia by strangulation associated with craniocerebral trauma. But Dr. Meyer was reportedly unable to determine whether Jean Bonnet died of the skull fracture or strangulation. Based on the state of rigor mortis that her body was experiencing when she was discovered, initial police reports suggested that she died between 10 p.m. And 6 a.m., which it's a wide window. Yeah, and also like the parents said that they last saw her at 10 p.m., but then they couldn't find her at 5:45 a.m. So I feel like that's a safe window. Yeah. I don't know if they used science for that window. <laughs> maybe they so, didn't want to, or maybe they couldn't go off of what the parents said because, like. Yeah, I mean, just if they thought that she did, like, yeah. So, the paintbrush and white cord were used. I I did mention that that stick was part of a paintbrush, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So the paintbrush and white cord were used as a garrot to strangle Jean Bonnet, mm -hmm. and her skull had suffered blunt trauma. She was likely sexually assaulted, either digitally or with a paintbrush, although there was no evidence of rape, no semen was found. The brush end of the paintbrush was found in a tub of Patsy's art supplies, which you can see on page, on slide 15. But the top third never was located despite extensive searching of the house in subsequent days. Experts believe that the construction of the garrote required a special knowledge of knots held by sailors or other experts. Investigators considered that John Ramsey likely knew how to tie this knot from his considerable experience with sailing. I personally don't think that there's anything fancy with the knot, but what am I? I don't know. The autopsy also revealed that Jean Monnet had eaten pineapple only a few hours before the murder. Photographs of the home taken on the day when Jean Bonnet's body was found show a bowl of pineapple on the kitchen table with a spoon in it. If you go to slide 17, you will see that. Oh. However, neither John nor Patsy said that they remember putting the bowl on the table or feeding pineapple to Jean Bonnet. Police reported that they found Jean Bonnet's nine-year-old brother Burke's fingerprints on the bowl. The Ramseys have always said that Burke slept through the entire night until he was awakened several hours after the police arrived. Detective Linda believed that the green substance observed in the hair of Jean Bonnet was consistent with the green garland-like decorative Christmas material that she had observed in the decorating 
she she had observed to be decorating the spiral staircase inside the home. So it looks like it was just, it just got caught in her hair. In subsequent searches of the Ramsey home over the next few days, several pieces of evidence were found. A flashlight found on the kitchen counter has long been theorized as the weapon. Um, sorry, that caused the blunt force trauma to her head. I didn't include a picture of the flashlight. It's okay. It's just a flashlight. Well, what color was it? It was black. Are you it sure? A, it was a big, it was a heavy duty flashlight. It was one of those like, like, like a cop big one. Boys. Yeah, kind of. Dr. Werner, or maybe Werner Spitz, a forensic pathologist, said that the injury was consistent, that the damage could have been caused by the flashlight, but it could also have been caused by other things. The drawer in which the flashlight was usually kept was open, and the flashlight was found on the counter. So not in the drawer. The Ramses denied putting the flashlight on the counter. They and they initially claimed to recognize it, but then they said they didn't recognize it. The flashlight and the batteries were tested for fingerprints, but none could be recovered. Next bit of evidence. A basement window was broken. If you go to slide eight. You have us jumping around. I'm sorry. So, you see where it says broken window? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, it's broken? not like... What? Is that where the window was broken? Yes. According to John Ramsey, he had broken the window once when he locked himself out of the house, but investigators were unable to confirm how long the window had been broken. However, it is worth noting that the broken window appeared undisturbed due to intact cobwebs covering it. There's a lot of doors in the basement. Yes. Two dissimilar footprints in the wine cellar that did not match any of the shoes in the residence. And a third footprint of an unknown person on the outer part of the broken window of the room were found. As well as a possible footprint on a suitcase placed directly below that same window. On the footprints... So... If you go to slide 16, you'll see the suitcase, the suitcase under the window, and then the window from the outside. Mm -hmm. One of the footprints found by detectives near JonBenet's body in the wine cellar was believed to be a high-tech hiking shoe. Reportedly, no one amongst JonBenet's family, friends, or acquaintances owned a shoe that matched that print. Next, a pubic hair was found on the blanket that Jean Benet was wrapped in. It does not belong to John, Patsy, or Burke. A rope was that a rope that was foreign to the residence was found on the bed of the guest room near Jean Benet's room. A later theory emerged that the physical marks on Jean Benet's body suggested the use of a stun gun. So on slide thirteen. Those little red marks. Yeah. Oh. The duct tape and cord used in the murder were not found in the Ramsey home. So they were nimble. They were never able to find duct tape that covered her mouth. They, I mean, they found the piece that covered her mouth, but they couldn't find like the roll. And they have no idea where the cord came from. 
was around her neck and her wrists. The Ramseys both said their son Burke was asleep that morning until his father awakened him to take him to the White's house after the police were called. But an enhanced version of the tape of Patsy's 911 call seems to reveal Burke's voice in the background asking what's going on. The practice. Oh, sorry, I forgot to mention. It's a little out of order. So the ransom note wasn't the first draft. They did find that there was a practice ransom note, and then the original. Like or not the original. What? I like that they left their practice ransom note. Well, yeah. So you could see their growth. Right. The practice and ransom notes were eventually determined to have come from a notepad belonging to Patsy. Patsy said that she usually kept her notepad in a little desk kind of area with just mumble jumbled paperwork near the door to the kitchen. This was also where the phone was from which Patsy called 911. Three Sharpie felt tip pens were found in an orange metal container on the kitchen counter beneath the telephone from which Patsy had made her 911 call. Eventually, it was determined that one of those pens was used to write both the practice and actual ransom notes. This meant that whoever wrote the notes used the exact pen from that cup. They not only left the pad behind, but when they finished, they neatly put the felt tip pen back in its container. That's very courteous of them. Mm -hmm. There is no public record of any forensic testing of the pen, either for fingerprints, DNA, etc. On to fingerprints. One partial print was found on the ransom note from the document examiner, which just feels messy. <laughs> but there were no other fingerprints on the note, not even from the Ramses, which seems weird. You know? Seven latent fingerprints were found on the notepad from which the ransom note came, one from a police sergeant, one from the document examiner, this man, and five from Patsy. But it was her notepad, so. Fair. But can, sir, can we just, like, talk about the document examiner who's there to examine the documents and getting his fucking fingerprints on everything? <laughs> fingerprints. So I know that I told you that Burke's fingerprints were found on the bowl of pineapple, but Patsy's was also found. And Burke's fingerprints were found on the glass next to the bowl. I don't know if you recall the picture of the pineapple. Mm -hmm. There's a glass sitting right next to it. Okay. Um, there is no known record of any fingerprints being recovered from the spoon. No prints were found on the garrote. No prints were found on the garrote handle or the tape. Two palm prints from Patsy and one palm print from Melinda Ramsey were found on the wine cellar door. Which also seems odd because of how many people were touching that door that morning. Yeah. Like the police officer, Fleet, and John. Okay. So Patsy and John left their home since it was an official crime scene to stay with friends. On December 27th, Jean Benet's family willingly submitted DNA samples to investigators. Each of the Ramseys provided handwriting, blood, and hair samples to the police. John and Patsy participated in preliminary 
interviews for more than two hours, and Burke was also interviewed within the first couple of weeks following JonBenet's death. The DNA collected has since been identified as foreign and reportedly doesn't match DNA samples provided by dozens of family and friends. FBI checks against sex offender databases came back negative. The DNA was reportedly identified as male, however, so there you go. In May 1999, detectives continued collecting, collecting additional DNA samples from people who may have been in contact with Jean Benet before her death. In what sources said was an effort to eliminate as many potential suspects as possible. The DNA has since been declared of little use because of contamination and other problems. On the 29th of December, 1996, after JonBenet's body was released back to them, the family flew to their former hometown of Atlanta. So remember, they were in Boulder. Mm-hmm. Now they're back in Atlanta. JonBenet was buried in St. James Episcopal Cemetery in Marietta, Georgia, on December 31st. She was buried next to her half-sister, Elizabeth. Oh, I forgot about Elizabeth. Remember Elizabeth? Yeah. yeah. I knew you did. She's been a little overshadowed. Well, yeah. Also, when I said that Melinda's Melinda Ramsey's palm print was on the door, did you know who I was talking about? Yeah. Who's Melinda? A Ramsey. Was that another sibling? Yeah, it's the second daughter of John's. JonBenet's parents gave their first public interview with CNN on New Year's Day in 1997 from Atlanta. At the time, Boulder police were ensuring the community that there was no killer at large. But Patsy disagreed, saying, quote, There is a killer on the loose. If I were a resident of Boulder, I would tell my friends to keep, keep your babies close to you. There's someone out there. The interview was not well received by Boulder police who sent five detectives to Atlanta. Police were reportedly shocked that the family claimed they were too emotional to be interviewed by investigators, but were able to do the CNA sit down, CNN sit-down. Following the family's move, John's company was sold to GE. thought that was interesting. Um, but, I mean, I don't know. I feel like the CNN interview wasn't, like, an interrogation, so... The Ramseys voluntarily provided five handwriting samples. Their desire to cooperate diminished, however, as it became clear that the police and media focused solely upon them as suspects. A handwriting analysis had ruled John out as the person who wrote the ransom note, but was not able to rule Patsy out. Mm. On April 19, 1997, the Boulder District Attorney's Office labeled Patsy and John Ramsey as the main targets of the investigation. So now we're going to talk about the ransom note. Bailey, did you you have a comment you wanted to share now? You're muted, babe. You're muted. (laughs) Sorry, I didn't want Pat to ruin your flow. Thank you. Um, So, I know you're going to probably talk about most of the common stuff that are like red flags in the Ramson note, like length and stuff that doesn't make sense. Um, but for instance, they say like 
they told him that if you don't follow their instructions, they'll kill her. But yeah, they're like, however, if you go to the bank early and, like, we can facilitate, like, an earlier drop. Well, yeah, like, they wanted to be... But, like, that's not their instructions. Like, ransom notes are direct. They're, like, giving set times because they don't want anything out of their control. So it doesn't make sense that they'd be like, you know what? When, whatever whatever time you want to do, whatever time is good for you works for us. <laughs> we don't want to inconvenience uh, you. We know this is tough. Also, something I just thought of: they were like, "We'll call you between eight and ten with more instructions." But like, they gave a lot of instructions already. Can, <laughs> yeah. Like, can you wait a second? No, they didn't tell them. Tell him where to drop it off, though. No, I know, but like, imagine, but yeah. like, what time do you normally wake up? on like a day that's not a good question for me because i work overnight (laughs) Lacey, what time what time would you wake up on normal christmas eve boxing day like a day i don't have to go to work right probably between eight and nine right so somebody's gonna call me out for that between nine and (laughs) ten is somebody your husband or your mother both both i think but like yeah, I feel like that's pretty normal to wake up at, like, 8 on a day off. Yeah. So it just that's seems weird crazy. that they'd be like, we're going to call you between 8 and 10 with instructions yeah. for when you need to drop off the money. Especially parents. Like, did they... They're yeah, gonna how did... It, it just seems very... It worked out well that they woke mm-hmm. up early that day. Yeah. Um, another thing is, like, it starts, first of all, the language is, like, all over the place. Like, there's not a very clear, like, thought process through the letter. And then it turns to being, like, really personal at the end. Like, saying John over and over again. John, I like that. And, like, pointing out he's a southern boy, so, like, we know where you're from, or But do they? Oh, I guess he was born in Nebraska. Okay. Well, I was thinking Michigan. I mean, the family also came from, what was it, like, Georgia or North Carolina or something? I'm paying attention. So he was born in Nebraska, then he went Uh to school in Michigan, and then the children were born in Atlanta, and then they moved to to Colorado. Yeah. Um... And you're—I know you're going to talk about it because everyone, everyone that ever reads this letter talks about it. But they make the weirdest comments to care about, like bring like a certain bag to the bank, not yeah. returning her remains for burial. Like you're already saying that you're going to behead um, her. Like you don't need to make comments like that. Yeah, I wasn't going to actually mention it because there's a lot oh. to go over. But mm-hmm. it—they use that as saying the letter has a feminine touch to it yeah where they mention make sure you bring a f- attache and make sure you get pretty plenty of rest it seems like very caring like mm-hmm. a, a feminine kind of care to it um side note before you continue you're at about an hour yes and just want to put that on your ballpark because sh- i'm sure you have more I do. I, I have a more. question. Yes. Um. Are you? I know that you already said that. Like, it's very clear that the cops leaned toward the family, and you said that you have your own idea of what happened. Are you going to tell us about any other people that they did look at, even if they didn't look very well? I have five popular theories. Okay. Oh, cool. 
Um, they're all kind. I start off very broad, and then I get very specific. Okay. There is one person that I think could do it. All right, all right. Um, he's in jail, so I can't get sued. So, or I could. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> he's not listening to us. No, he's. We're not on his radar. Oh, okay. So, um. Um, the letter yeah I'm just trying to should we how about I get through the ransom note and then Pause we there. end for part two okay, okay. we went right, over so, a lot so yeah you're making good time the ransom note detectives determined that the note had been written at the house on a pad of paper found in the Ramsey's kitchen with a Sharpie pen also found there. The, rans- the ransom note was most likely written in the Ramsey house. According to retired FBI supervisory special agent Jim Clemente and other experts, the note would have taken 21 and a half minutes to write. It's really specific. Which is also, I, I, I don't want to like... A crazy amount of time if you're a kidnapper yeah. to just hang out in the kitchen. I will say the kitchen's on the first floor and John and Patsy's bedroom is on the third floor. So it feels like a bit well, less. So 21 and a half minutes like, to still. write it, but to write like one draft of it? Or is that like including both well, drafts? Hold on. Let me, in the next part, I talk about the first draft. So okay, hold on. The police believed that the note was staged because it did not have any fingerprints except for Patsy's. Okay, so like one source said that they found Patsy's. My mouse died. That's what's happening. Okay. Um, So police believed that the note was staged because the note slash notepad only had authority, the authorities, and Patsy's fingerprints on it. So there was no other fingerprints on the notepad or the ransom note. Which Did we they find know. any other like strange fingerprints in the house, though? I mean, it's hard to say because like the whole house was covered with people. Okay, so I mean, shit. like I know we'll never know, but like, who's to say that that for going with this theory um, that the kidnappers didn't wear gloves and like there's no no sign of their fingerprints anywhere it wouldn't be like abnormal just to see patsy's because she found the note yeah i mean i don't think it it's abnormal she found the note so i would like she's not gonna put gloves on to handle a ransom note wait a minute oh wait a sec let me put my gloves on um so they they thought it was staged because I mean, like, I don't know. I don't know what they why that they they would think it was staged because it only had Patsy's hands fingerprints on it, but um but it Did also you talk about because they found it. Let me just finish the sentence. It also included an unusual amount of exclamation points and Initialisms, Lacey. What are you? What are you trying to say? (laughs) 
I have written initialisms, but I feel like that's not a word. Do you mean, do you just mean initials? Maybe. <laughs> okay. All right, so Bailey, what were you saying? I was saying um isn't the stairs I mean, I've never left a ransom note. But like they not left yet. it on the stairs. That's a weird place to me. Listen, you want to make sure that it's going to be found. Kitchen counter. Listen. What if they're not well, I should have first thing and they I don't know. I should have I go right to the kitchen to make coffee. Didn't Hold on. um let me let me throw something in real quick. I'm going to put the picture of the f- um the flashlight on the counter on slide 18 okay. so that you can see how cluttered their kitchen was. Don't they have a maid? They do have a housekeeper, yes. What's your point? Why is it a mess? It was Christmas. She probably had off. There you go. Um, so, like... That's not that cluttered. No, but I know, but, like, the ransom note wouldn't pop. Whereas a ransom note sitting on the stairs... You'd see that right away. Yeah. Okay. I, I can feel like the if you want it to be found, like, as soon as they're up, I feel like stairs are probably a good bet. You might have to, like, cut this out, um, and Lacey, you probably don't know this, but, um, didn't Patsy, like, wasn't there, like, a weird, didn't she, like, do her makeup or something, like, at a weird point? I didn't find anything about that, but I remember that being said in the other podcast. Yeah. I think, like, after... The, they found the ransom note or something, or like at some point before eight o'clock, she decided to put her makeup on, and the other girls defended her, saying like that could have been just like her morning routine. Right. She is very she's she's a she what was in beauty pageants. She put her daughter in beauty pageants. It was maybe it was just put your face on. She needed to be and like you know her. how the friends didn't know what to do, so they were cleaning. Yeah, she might not have known what to do, so she put her face on. Yeah. yeah, if that's habit. Um, I feel like you would be going crazy in that situation, just like waiting for something to happen. Yeah, and so they were like, <clears throat> or she maybe she was just like, I just need to do something normal, do my routine. So the police also found a rough draft of the ransom note. A page was left behind in the legal pad used with similar writing to the ransom note, which only had the words Mr. and Mrs. and the first stroke of the letter R before the author abruptly changed his mind and decided that the note should only be addressed to Mr. Ramsey. So the first draft, they started off with Mr. and Mrs. R and then they're like, no. Just yeah, so I don't think that that took too long to write. You know what I mean? Lacey? Yeah. I hope not. Um, Another odd thing about the ransom note. The amount of money demanded in the ransom note was considered unusually low by investigators due to the Ramsey's wealth. John pointed out to police first on the scene that the amount was nearly identical to his Christmas bonus 
of the prior year, which suggested that someone who had um, access to that information would be involved in the crime. Investigators looked at several theories in, behind the dollar amount demanded, considering employees at Excess Graphics who may have known of the amount of John's prior bonus. They also considered the possibility that the ransom demand was a reference to Psalm 118 and spoke to the religious sources or spoke to religious sources to determine possible relevance. Another theory is that the amount resembles John's liabilities listed on his home computer as 1,118,000. So lots of theories as to why they specifically asked for $118,000. It's also just, it's not even, it's, it's not an even number. <laughs> right like go with like 120 or like right? 150 like come on round up or, like, come I mean, on. their house is worth seven million dollars go higher well, seven million dollars today yeah go higher still the ransom note also featured unusual spellings the words business and possession were misspelled those are hard no. words however the writer correctly spelled the words deviation and attache even including the little accent on the word attache the felt fancy mm -hmm. side note i i can't even spell persevere so you're doing so good Thanks. words are hard for some people the two misspellings occur in the first paragraph after that the writer uses correct grammar except for using the article a instead of when Instead of writing Anne, which when I was reading the first time through, I was like, oh, my God, change it. <laughs> According to forensic ling linguists, linguistics expert James Fitzgerald, misspelling serves as an element for disguise. The writer may have pur purposely misspelled words to conceal things about themselves, such as his or her level of education. Fitzgerald also recognized a similarity between the writing in the note and Patsy Ramsey's own handwriting. He, says, he specifically stated the font style printing is a feminine trait. Patsy used her letter form in her hand used this letter form in her handwriting. What? But why wouldn't you like misspell attache? Well, I think that he was saying that, like, I mean, it was such a long letter, but at the beginning, you were, like, actively trying to make misspellings mm. to disguise, but then you kind of, like, forgot about it as you started going into getting into it. Also, side note, I love saying attache. Let's bring that word. Let's bring that word like, to our should group. Should we get an attache? Mm. Search um, on. I'm going to see how much an attache is. Another unusual aspect of the ransom note was the tone. According to forensic document examiner Brenda Anderson, this fake ransom note has less emotion than a typical anonymous threat. When a writer is trying to threaten or scare someone, he or she will emphasize certain words. However, the ransom note writer did not. In examining the pronouns, in the first paragraph, 
Five times the writer uses a plural pronoun. However, later on, the writer switches to singular pronoun like I. The changing of pronouns indicates deception. Also, the note is addressed to Mr. Ramsey. However, towards the end of the note, Mr. Ramsey becomes John. The writer refers to Mr. Ramsey as John three times at the end. So, like when they I think not the girl brain. Yeah, I think that the writer started with a, a purpose in the beginning and then lost it at the end. Maybe they felt like by the end they like really knew John better and that's why I they mean, were like on a first name basis. By the end of that paragraph, like that they were whole like, novel. We know each other so much now, so. As for the signature, the SBTC, the initials, many theories have been posed as to what this stands for. Some people have pointed out that the acronym translates into Saved by the Cross in the Christian faith. The theory implies that the preceding victory, which instead of like sincerely, it says victory, exclamation point, SBTC. The, so the theory implies that the victory alludes to victory over Satan. Others think SBTC is a reference to John Ramsey's naval training at the Subic Bay Training Center in the Philippines. One private investigator believes the, letter SB, the letters SBTC may be a reference to the University of Colorado in Boulder, suggesting Jean Bonnet's killer might have been a student at the school, which is located less than half a mile from the Ramsey home. An academic paper about quantum structures published by two physicists at CU in March 1996 focused on the comparisons between pseudo-potential and single-banded, sorry, single-band, trunicated crystal, or SBTC, calculations. Yes, Bailey. Um, According to Wikipedia, it can also mean skill-biased technological change yeah it can mean a lot of things because i googled it is like everybody has a it could literally mean anything yeah there's also small business tech technology council mm-hmm. which i don't know maybe that has something to do with it too maybe or small business and transportation coalition that's probably what it is the Southern Baptist of Texas convention. It was probably that one. They never went to Texas. Maybe they got mad because the Ramses You've never been went to every other state. Like, what the fuck? Exactly. Um, so that's kind of a brief overview of the ram the ransom note. Ooh, I found another one. Oh, what do you got? State Blood Transfusion Council. Probably that one. Yeah. Um. Like, I did have, I did read that, um, I've lost my train of thought. The ransom note? No, I know. Okay. And I read something about it. You read a lot of I remember what. Huh? Well. Is this this where you're going to come to, like, a Yeah, I think that that is where I'm going to stop. And when we pick back up, I'm going to tell you um, more about the investigation and 
And then we're going to get into theories. Um, before we say good night and goodbye, Lacey, how how what are your thoughts about this case? I'm still mad that she was in the basement and everybody was <laughs> cleaning and I'm waiting for a phone call when she was down there. <clears throat> I don't. It Do does find... seem like ooh, ooh, I got like a my legs started to cramp up. Um, it does seem like very quickly the police kind of zeroed in on her parents. And, like, I know there's some things that are, like, this is a little bit weird, like, their behavior or whatever. But I also think that it's hard to account for how people are going to behave in these kinds of situations. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, nothing is, from what you've told us so far, nothing is popping out to me from anybody that you've mentioned where I'm like, oh, that's super suspicious. What I What I found is that, like, if you look at it from, if you have the mindset that it was a family member who did it, mm-hmm. then there are like five things that I could list right off the bat where I'm like, okay, but how do you explain this? How do you explain that? What about this? Mm-hmm. And then from the other side of it, like, so if it was a family member, how do you explain all the un- unaccounted for footprints? That's what I was thinking. Where and, did the and, duct like, tape some footprints and stuff. Where'd the duct tape roll and the um, cord? Where'd all that stuff go? Where'd that come from? The DNA. Um, what? The DNA. Yeah, there's foreign DNA. Um, I, I don't know. There's probably more stuff, but I can't think of anything right now because I'm now. But if you're looking at it from like, oh, it was an intruder. Okay. But the ransom note. The doors were locked. How'd yeah, they get I in? can't. I How'd can't settle on how I feel about that ransom note. Why'd they leave her behind? Also, yeah. just the fact with like the house is huge, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of doors in the basement. Like how they obviously like just the, they spent so much time in the house, and like it seems like knew where to kind of hide her. And or the like, fact that there find a was a good spot to hide her. Because I was trying to decide. I was at first. I was like, well, maybe something they were gonna kidnap her and take her and use her for ransom. And then something happened, and it got screwed up, and they killed her by accident, or they had to kill her, and they were like, we're just gonna leave her here, make it look like we took her, and see what happens. But the fact that she was, you said that they do think she was assaulted, makes it feel more personal than anybody intending to kidnap her at all and it just makes us yeah. kidnap and the ransom note was just to throw things off my my thought is like or one of my thoughts is that like what who's to say because you will you i mean well i'll talk about it later but like there were several burglaries in the area mm-hmm. and I, with yeah. such a big house with such like a weird basement layout and a broken window that allegedly has been broken for a while. Who's to say you didn't have some squatting situation happening where someone has definitely just been in the house to burglarize it before and kind of got familiar with the layout a bit? And then also, like, someone could have been watching the house and waited for the lights to go out and then did it. And would have had 
hours to do whatever yeah. he did. Like, I think when they said, like, oh, they only had 21 minutes, it's not like she went down for a nap and they were going to check on her after two hours. Yeah. This was nighttime. Time. They had, like, eight hours. Bowl of pineapple. What about it? Pineapple was in her system, but the sun was... Fingerprints were on the bowl. Yeah. We'll get How into it later. Mm -hmm. Alright! Well, that was sinister. Mildly sarcastic this time. I don't think we were very sarcastic. It's hard to be sarcastic with a six-year-old's It's murder. a heavy one. Yeah. We get more sarcastic with the theories, honestly. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Lacey, have you heard any wild theories? I haven't heard wild ones. I know that a lot of people suspect her parents. That's pretty much what I know about the theories. So I'm excited. I'm well, excited for part two. I want to tell you. I want to tell you one so bad. No, don't. I'm tell just gonna me. give you a little. Okay. I'm gonna give you a little teaser. Okay. Yeah. It involves Katy Perry. Katy Perry killed her. Oh wait, no, I know this one. Yeah. Don't look I into it, Lacey. Right. Don't look into it. But stay tuned for Katy Perry. All right. Don't look into it. I want to tell Fine. you. Neither do the n the listeners. Don't look into it either. It's going to be so yeah. good. Um, Join the Patreon. Yeah. You'll find out so much sooner. You will. It's true. You will. And you get to watch my face when I find out. Oh, it's going to be so it's good. This face. Sinister and sarcastic 942. I'm going to bring popcorn for the next one so I can watch. I, like, I'm, I'm too. I'm excited. Alrighty. I'll do it if we're all doing it.